this week on Best Friend Energy. I didn't get into true crime because it was like having a moment. I didn't get into yeah. podcasting because it was up and coming. Right. I freaking love yeah. what I do. Hi, guys. I'm Clea. And I'm Joanna. And this is Best Friend Energy. On the show today, we are talking with podcaster Ashley Flowers, who I absolutely love. Her crime podcast, Crime Junkie, is a massive hit and one of my favorites of all time. It was the most listened to podcast on Apple in 2022. She also started a media company called Audio Chuck, where she's making a bunch of other podcasts in the crime genre. I have now all my homework uh, ahead of me, all the shows I need to listen to that all top the charts. And as a fellow crime junkie, I I'm so excited to talk to her. I know. I this is like it. your This your is my hating. world. Yeah, this yeah. is my world. Um, also, our Taylor Swift correspondent, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> our correspondent, Clea, is going to talk about Taylor's breakup with Matt Healy. Ooh. And of course, we'll take some DMs. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break. All right. Our Taylor Swift correspondent, myself, is now joining us right here. As yes, you I've are. And you're wearing there. full I garb. actually am wearing a Taylor Swift uh, sweatshirt. I'm wearing Taylor merch. Um, really I didn't are. actually mean to do this, but no, here we are. It's just, it's just your personality. It is. Taylor Swift is my personality. That's why I'm such a yeah. good correspondent. Um, yes. So we have to talk about Taylor's breakup with Matt Healy. So allegedly, Taylor and Matt broke up after 33 days of dating. And I say allegedly because technically it was never confirmed. They never okay. actually explicitly confirmed that they were dating. But it felt pretty obvious. It felt like there was a lot of coverage around it. And not everyone can be wrong, right? I mean, it just right. it, it felt pretty universal. Is 33 one of the numbers that she like loves? Uh, that's 13. Oh, there's yeah. a three. I personally cannot confirm or deny that because okay. I, that's not in my wheelhouse of expertise to understand okay. all the numerology involved, but I know 13 is a big one. Okay. So Matt Healy, though, I, I can speak from a Nashville person who was at the show. Okay. Um, Matt Healy was at the Nashville shows. He actually gave Stella guitar picks from his Whoa. pocket. Um, like, I mean, he was very much present and there. They have been friends forever. So, you know, again, there's nothing right. stopping him right. from being there as a friend. But it felt like there was truth to the rumors. So are you super stressed that she's... So I always internalize all all stress around Taylor Swift. I, I don't do. want I don't want her to lose sight of like, you know, eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the ball. I don't like when these things happen. Yeah. I'm still upset about the Joe Alwyn breakup. Six years. Six years. Maybe she'll go back to him. I don't think so. I think it's done. And okay. I think something not great happened in that oh. relationship because right after, first of all, she's been doing hot girl walks in New York City. Okay. Like fully, like it's like, it was still cold. And she was like, no, I'm like wearing this. And um, like black little shorty shorts. Okay. And she also went to dinner with Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. And immediately after they both unfollowed Joe. That oh. feels to me like something, something mm. happened. All right. Well, watch this face. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So according to People Magazine, they were never technically boyfriend, girlfriend or exclusive. They were just always having fun, which I think is, first of all, completely in her right. I mean, when you get out of a long relationship, like it Six doesn't mean you have to be. Time. It's a long time. It doesn't mean that you have to all of a sudden be tied down and in an exclusive relationship right away. You can just like casually date someone. Right. But poor Taylor Swift. It's always like every single person is linked to like, is she marrying him? 
You know, I would never confirm I was dating anyone if I were her. Not that I'd right. need to give her advice. No, she's, she, right. she, she is not me. asking or listening to this. No, that said, I think she absolutely deserved to have some fun and to have something not be serious. But I just want to say Matt Healy's also kind of problematic. Mm. So I think, and I don't know that, you know, she knew all this going in, but like he said some derogatory comments. He, oh. yes, he has okay. been tied to some like not so savory things. And I don't know, maybe she was like, this is not worth it. So maybe she knows. I mean, she knows Taylor better than Taylor Trump. Nation is pretty serious. And I think Taylor probably was like, eh, I mean, I like the guy, but like not not worth it. Yeah, that's that's my completely random speculation, not tied to any data or fact whatsoever. Just you being a correspondent. That's it. Me being a correspondent with opinions loosely held. All right. So um, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with Ashley Flowers. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters, and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. Oh my goodness. I have never been so excited. We cannot believe that we get to have Ashley Flowers on to Best Friend Energy. Ashley, thank you so much for thank being you, here. Ashley, thank you for having me. Your podcast, Crime Junkie, you started in 2017. It is one of the most listened to podcasts out there. I personally have been following you and listening to it forever. It's just amazing. You it's are incredible. a crime junkie. You, <laughs> oh, I know. I yeah. am a crime junkie. I'm your biggest fan, basically. Yes, that's Aww. right. I'm going to try to not make this podcast about me, she, is, is the you, bottom line. You don't it want it about podcast. you. No, no, no. We don't want it about no, you. I don't want it about me. This is about you. And I'm going to try and keep myself from just peppering you with questions that only serve my self-interest about true crime. Okay? So I just want to okay. say that. Your podcast, Crime Junkie, started in 2017. Um, now in 2023, you run this super influential media company. How did this happen? How'd you break through? Oh, my. Well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to have this, like, cool, like, super niche Indianapolis thing happening. I started listening to podcasts when many people did in 2014 with Serial because I was crime. Like, I was the crime junkie. So this true crime thing happened. My best friend, my co-host Britt, was like, had been trying to get me to listen to podcasts forever. And I kept telling her that sounds really stupid and boring. No, mm -hmm. thank you. <laughs> right. And I was uh, in medical sales at the time. So I had this like eight hour trip in the car. And she's like, you have to try this thing. Like everyone's talking about it. Just listen to it. Obviously, I became obsessed. And I fell in love with podcasting. I just it felt so personal. I was already listening to audiobooks, but this was so different. 
And I like gobbled up everything that was out there. So fast forward a couple of years, I I kept like waiting for somebody to make this like specific show I wanted Mm -hmm. to hear. Uh And no one was making it and no one was making it. And then at the same time, I was on the board of directors for Indianapolis's Crime Stoppers. And I was the youngest board member by a mile. And they had asked me to do some like brand awareness for them. We just need like, a you know, people your age to know what we are. And so I don't know. I got this idea that maybe I could do this podcast I was looking for. I felt like I'd been studying podcasts, <laughs> specifically true crime podcasts, for like three years at that point. And I could also maybe use it to do some brand awareness. So if you listen to like the early episodes of Crime Junkie, they have like baked in ads for Crime Stoppers. And Oh, that's so it, funny. I didn't think yeah. about that. It exploded. Um, we, I did a ton of marketing. That's not to say I just like put something out there and sure. let it go. Right. Because um, I knew I gave myself a year to make it my full-time job. I knew I couldn't keep it going forever because it was a lot of work. And luckily, it did work. I mean, which is, it's incredible because, I mean, to break out, and I know in 2017, it wasn't as saturated as it is now, but it still was incredibly hard to create a podcast that people all over connected with. Yeah. And I mean, most of the, you know, the the ones that were getting the attention were with these large networks, were with radio stations or newspapers, or you had like, you know, the wonders of the world who were these large firms with venture mm-hmm. capitalist funding. And I, I was just me in Indianapolis. And yeah. um, so, but I tried to do everything I could, you know, perceptions, the reality, like the little bit of money I had, I invested into making sure our logo didn't look like I made it on like Microsoft Paint. I right, right. <laughs> you know, made sure I had a theme song that I loved. Um, I, I did, I did the marketing and all of that stuff. I, it, the whole reason I came up with the name Audio Chuck is I was like, well, I want it to look like we're part of a network, even though I'm clearly not part of a network. I don't want <laughs> sure. it to say Crime Junkie underneath Crime Junkie. Right. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of these like little decisions that went into it that, that paid off in the end. What do you think it was that captured people so quickly and became people came, became such a massive like following for you? Well, I think that a couple of things. I think I think I was right in that people were looking for the show I was too. I mean, it was uh-huh. kind of my initial thing. Like, if I want this, I bet someone else does. And our format, even though it felt familiar, like you had seen it before, nobody was doing our format, Mm -hmm. um, where even though it was two hosts, it's one person telling the story. And then, you know, my best friend, Britt, really being in the seat of that audience. I think it was the first time Mm -hmm. that people in podcasting, they feel like you're talking directly to them, but it's one way. I think it's the first time it kind of felt two way because they were hearing themselves represented in It was like a conversation. Yeah. We were one of the first true crime podcasts that gave people a really clear path of like how to get involved and take the next step. Because it's, again, how I felt walking away from a lot of the true crime content I consumed, podcasting or otherwise. It was like, well, that's, that is horrific. I can't believe that's happening what do I do? Right. Um, and no one was answering that question. And I think giving people the call to action, they're they're looking for a way to get involved and to do better and to consume better. And I think we were one of the first people showing them the path to that. So let's go back really quick. You mentioned cereal. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of people, and myself included, that was like my first foray into being yeah. obsessed with the podcast. I remember I was dry, I was on a road trip. I think a lot of us were on road trips. And like when we decided to binge. Uh-huh. Um, so first of all, I need to know, do you think Adnan did it? Absolutely not. Okay, I agree. And can you believe that like it got overturned and then, and then they Dude. actually put him back? 
Put him back Dude, in prison. What, like, the, whatever's going on now is so unprecedented because, I mean, for the people who don't know, they basically, after years and years and years, he finally was released. They dropped the charges, but they're trying to, like, reinstate his conviction based on a technicality that the victim's family wasn't given enough time to attend court in person right. when the ruling happened. So it's not even based on, like, something related to Adnan's case. It's, again, a technicality. It's very, very strange. And I don't really even understand the motivation behind it. It's, I don't either. It's it's above yeah. me, and you're my guru now. So <laughs> I am just like, I am going to ask you all the questions. So Serial, also, for people who didn't hear it, I, the 1% of people who didn't listen, I think, was Joanna. That I am. I make up the 1%. Yeah. Jo- Have you listened yet? No. no. I'm late. I'm late on the game. She still hasn't caught up to 20... 20- 14. 14. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just late on all the games here. The thing about Serial, when I first binged it, there was no end. There was no actual mm-hmm. answer of like, this is, we uncovered the truth, right? Mm-hmm. It was like an open-ended, like, what do you think? Like, it was like a debate about yeah. like how, what everyone felt about it. W- did you think, okay, I want to have conversations about cases or I want to solve cases? Well, when I first started with Crime Junkie specifically, it was to have conversations. Like, I knew I was not a trained investigative journalist. I didn't have the skill set to go and contribute to a case in a meaningful way. Like, if I would have gone on knocking doors that early in the game, I would have really messed anything up (laughs) in any investigation. So um, our goal really was to, like, again, to talk about the cases, to bring awareness to unsolved cases, to educate our listeners about ways to keep themselves safer, work with nonprofits. And the thing you're saying about Serial was like, it was, I think it was one of the first times I saw it is something that I loved is I am drawn to cases with no ending. I think that's what is so compelling. And for the longest time, so many people in media would tell you absolutely not. They're like, people want resolution. And that is absolutely true. There's, there is a group of people who want resolution, but there's also a group of people like me who we want to be part of finding it. We're okay that it's not there. But again, it's what can we do next to get there? Um, So but now, you know, now that I'm five years in and we have a team, like I've been able to bring in investigative journalists, like hire, you know, professionals to consult on cases. And so for for other shows, The Deck Investigates, you know, for example, like there are other cases we're working on outside of Crime Junkie that I'm like, hell yeah, I wish we could solve it. Yeah, right. Oh, God. I mean, it's my no, actual dream. No, it dream. is your actual dream. I, honestly, like, you can't dream too big because then I, I won't have a podcast with you. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But it's like, you're, you're living the life I want is all I'm, I'm trying to I say. Know. So when you are deciding what stories you want to tell, like, what is your rabbit hole process for pulling together what you want to talk oh, about? Oh, man. And it's so different based on the show, right? So, like, for Crime Junkie, like, you have to limit it at some point. But we really, the whole experience of, of what a Crime Junkie episode is supposed to be is, like, what it was back in the day when I would scour the internet because I have no resources. So it's what is available on the internet to watch, read, consume in some way, and then I'm going to tell my best friend that. So for a Crime Junkie episode, it really is, is, you know, are there books? Are there news articles? Are there documentaries? And let me distill everything that's out there into this piece. And I'm going to give you the facts. I'm not going to take you down the weird, like, Reddit stuff that's not substantiated. (laughs) Right, 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 right. So, like, I have to limit myself there because you can, I think that's where you get lost in the rabbit holes is, like, the the wild theories that haven't yeah. been proven. Yeah. On the other hand, when I'm working on something like The Deck Investigates where, you know, it's this unknown case, but we have, like, documentation and we're actually interviewing the victim's family, like, I've been working on that for 
almost a year at this point. And like I am like lost in rabbit holes that mm-hmm. I can't even name because it's like one person who's named once on a report and I'm like deep diving onto their Facebook and figuring out who they're connected to. Right. You're a detective. An internet detective. Yeah. Yeah. Internet detective. I love it. Yeah. So like, I mean, it can, you have to like with Crime Dungeon, I have to like reel it in or there would be one episode and I wouldn't be here. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that TikTok has like helped or hurt the conspiracy theories of investigations? Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's like everything I feel like with social media is like, it has such potential to help. And I have seen it help in amazing ways in getting recognition for cases that have otherwise been forgotten by traditional media. But then on the flip side, like it's when people aren't using it responsibly that it just goes off the rails. And it's like it's sometimes the damage you can do outweighs the good you can do. That's right. This is why we can't have nice things. That is the internet. I mean, that is, right? Do you have any other earlier influences other than Serial that like, you know, like did you get obsessed with the docu, like the jinx on Netflix or like, you know, I'm a crime junkie. I have consumed all of it. All of it. I mean, so I always say my mother, her mother before her, they were the OG crime junkies, which is how I got into it. Interesting. I love that. It's a generational thing. Oh, yeah. I was like five watching like Perry Mason and Matlock and Murder, She Wrote. Oh, I love Murder, She Wrote and Matlock. I used to watch those (laughs) obsessively. I never watched them. Oh, my God. I lived (gasps) off of Murder, She Wrote. Angela Lansbury. I mean, the best. You are Angela Lansbury. Thank you. That was like, that's why she never got into Serial. She's still watching Matlock. Uh, No, that was not Matlock. (laughs) So many reruns. That's a different show. (laughs) Okay. So you, you were at this early. Yeah. So like I consumed, you know, all the fiction stuff, eventually at some age realized that this stuff is really happening. And I mean, I was reading true crime books back when you had to go to like Barnes and Noble and Amazon wasn't a thing. So like it's just it's just been my world. And so name the documentary. I've seen it. Name the podcast. I've listened to it. Like this does is Does it life. ever get old? For me, it does not. But I'm just curious. No. Are you ever like oversaturation? No. You just love it. Uh, that, so the only time it gets old, so, so there is stuff you can name that I haven't listened to, but it's like when we're talking about the same serial killer, like for the 56th time, like cannot bring myself to do it. Um, but if, if it's a new case, if there's like an interesting angle, new new information, I've consumed it. I cannot stay away. Do you, like when you go to a dinner party, do people want to only talk about crime like crimes with you or do they actually want to talk about are you like please like let me just not talk about work but you're like I would I would still love to talk about crime this is the thing I tell people all the time I think part of the success of Crime Junkie like I didn't get into true crime because it was like having a moment I didn't get into podcasting because it was up and coming right I and like I freaking love yeah what I do. And so I would love to sit down at dinner and talk about true crime cases 24-7. My friends, or at least like most of my friends in our friend group are like not into it. They're yeah, like, so, stop. Yeah, so we don't talk about true crime like on the regular, which maybe keeps it fresh for work. <laughs> but like if you like go to like a holiday party, are people like, let's get out, like let's play Clue. Like let's do a a, a murder mystery <laughs> dinner. Like are, no. are like no. Okay. No. In my no. mind, that's yeah. what happens. Like yeah. if you come if you came to my house, which uh, we can talk later, if you came to my house for dinner, I totally would. No, I'd be she'd like, be pandering to you. She'd have the clue out. It would yeah. be a murder mystery theme. It would. I yeah. it would. There'd be I like knife daggers yeah. on the table. That's right. I feel like for people who who like I have met through like because of being a podcaster, like they're far more likely to talk to me about that than people from my like 
my everyday life, who always knew that I was a crime junkie, they do not care that I'm now the crime junkie and they still have no interest in talking about crime. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, it's their loss if you ask me. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more from Ashley. What if you could become stronger, more resilient, cure disease, and all you have to do is get naked in the cold? and breathe. You get into ice water, and instead of like freaking out, you relax. It's called the Wim Hof Method, and Gwyneth Paltrow and Justin Bieber love it. I do the ice plunge because it's good for your body. But there's also a dark side. How many people have died doing the Wim Hof Method? We can override even death. Listen on the podcast Infamous. That's Infamous, playing now. We're back. Once again, we're thinking about what the world might look like once we lose, stop using, or just run out of things that feel essential to our existence. What happens when we can't rely on fossil fuels anymore? Is eating meat really all that ethically dubious? How are ads shaping our impulses, and what happens if they go away? So join us as we try to piece together what happens when the things we've taken for granted start to disappear. From Hyper Object Industries and Sony Music Entertainment, listen to Without wherever you get your podcasts. Warning, this podcast contains juicy tales of a super dysfunctional family. Brothers betraying brothers, friends becoming enemies, and a mother trying her best to keep everything from falling apart. No, this isn't a reality TV rewatch. I'm Dan Jones, your host, and this is one of my all-time favourite true stories. Join me on a trip to the Middle Ages to meet history's most dangerous dynasty, the Plantagenets. This season, the plots are thicker, the ambitions greater, and the betrayals are even more devious in the epic saga of the family that shaped our world. From something else in Sony Music Entertainment, this is History, a dynasty to die for, season two. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's talk about your new podcast, The Deck Investigates. We touched Mm. on it just a little bit. Tell us what that's about and what people can expect from it. So Deck Investigates is a spinoff of a weekly show I have called The Deck, where every week um, they have cold case playing card decks, where each card is a missing or murdered person whose case is unsolved. We came across one case that was just far too big to tell in one or two episodes, and that's the murder of Darlene Hulse that happened in Argus, Indiana, which is just about an hour and a half north of where I live, So, and actually really close to where I grew up. And we started working with her daughters. Darlene was 28 years old, and she was a stay-at-home mom, and one morning in 1984, it's like 9.30 in the morning, she's getting her daughters ready. They've got to like leave for a doctor's appointment. And someone comes into her home, takes her, and, like, pulls her from her home in front of her girls who were, like, in the bathtub. They get out of the bath. They're running butt naked to their grandparents' house who live down the street trying to get help. And even though they ran, got help, police got there, like, in that window, the man took her from her home, and she was found the next day in a patch of woods just a few miles away. She'd been murdered. And... For 38 years, almost 39, it's gone unsolved. And, 
you know, the, the, we we just we couldn't understand why there, there yes. seems to be so many leads, so many opportunities, especially now with new technology. So one of our uh, investigative reporters and myself spent the last year just diving into this case, trying to see if we could drum up any new information. To I'm like, tell me everything. I know I need to see? like listen to the whole. See? I know. <laughs> Love it. God, you should really do podcasting about crimes. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you inspired Joanna. She Joanna thinks she's not a crime person and she's doing it wrong. No, no, no. My... I, I think I might be. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me everything. Like, okay. I really, I'm like, how, how was this unsolved? So back in the day, right, there was no DNA. They kind of got off on the wrong foot early on where they they kept saying, you know, this is because when they did her autopsy, they didn't believe she was sexually assaulted. Like there was no evidence at the time that they say that. I still I kind of question that now based on stuff that we uncovered. But they focused on it being a robbery, which now all the experts disagree with. So I think they had the wrong motive early on. But again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't like I don't judge them for what happened in 1984. Now there is new technology. The problem that we've run into is we have found some very viable persons of interest that that we think are interesting. They have gotten a partial DNA profile off of Darlene's blouse, but they're not testing it against anyone. So a partial profile, you can't upload to databases to see if there's a match, but you can do direct comparison. And they have some very clear people who are still even like living within driving distance that for a few years now, they just have not taken the time to go get a swab. Um, and so we're really trying, we have a petition, we're really trying to put pressure on the prosecutor's office to just get those swabs. I mean, when you're talking a case that's almost 39 years old, wow. like people are dying. Like if this case is going right. to like yes. ever come to a resolution, it's got to be soon. Right. Wow. That wow. is so fascinating. Wow. I can't wait to listen to it. That actually. is wild. I have a question for you. Aside from crime, is there anything else that you're like absolutely obsessed with? My dog. Okay. <laughs> That's a fair obsession. Uh, That's a fair obsession. Yeah. Like name my company after him. My dog's Chuck. What kind of dog is Chuck? He is a husky pit. I got him my last year of college, which is like the worst time to get a dog. So he, <laughs> he and I have been together for like 12 years now. He's my homie. Oh. And I just ha I had a daughter this last year. So like, I mean, I don't feel like I have time to like be into things anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I get oh, my true I crime. I get to I go understand. to work where I am happy. And like, that's kind of it. I did I really get into Love is Blind for a hot minute and I'm not a reality TV person, but... Okay. I mean, that's yeah. that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I, I feel like for me, again, like my reality TV, it's either a cooking competition mm. um, or some true crime situation, which is not reality. <laughs> All right. So re really quick, I also want to know, you have done live shows for The Deck. Mm -hmm. What, all right, Joanna and I are going on a live tour for the very first time this summer. This summer. Yeah. Oh my God, exciting. What? Tell us everything. Like, what, what, what do we what, need to what know? Does it happen? What was it like for you? What's it going to be like for us? Like, what was your format? Like, tell us. Oh, I feel like it's going to be like so fun for you guys because you guys do get to just like be fun and, and it's a lot lighter. And like, people there, the energy is so great because. The people who are buying your tickets, those are like the super fans. Like they want you to succeed. They're not like mm -hmm. they're not the people leaving the one star reviews. So the energy of a of a live audience is so unbelievable. I mean, I, again, I like have only done podcasting. I'm in this room by myself all the time. So it was so cool to like actually see the faces of people who are listening. But for me, I mean, like to put together our show, it was months and months and months and months of work because. Like, I, I had to memorize the story. You know, it's not just, like, off-the-cuff stuff. Um, we had to put together, like, assets we created because I wanted the deck investigates to feel like one part podcast, 
one part documentary and one part being like in an investigative war room. Um, and so that just took a lot of work. I also get yeah. like mad stage fright. So it oh, was you like do oh, terrible. Yeah. Really? Oh god. Wow, that is surprising. I'm surprised. Yeah, I am too. Terrible. I like it sick. So I think you guys are gonna have a blast with it. You guys get to just like talk and have fun with your audience. And I think that like find a little way to surprise them. Like the biggest part for me about live tour is what I wanted to give the audience is a reason that they came to see it as opposed yeah, to just right. listening to it. So yeah, really incorporating those visuals as I that's, think it was a banger. That's, that's what we're really focused on is like some kind of like actual interaction and engagement that can't happen just from yes. Instagram or a podcast. Um, okay, I have a question about Audio Chuck. As we know, now Chuck is your dog. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so you're located in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Do you get a lot of pressure to leave Indianapolis to move, you know, your company to L.A., New York, anything? I, I ask because we live in Nashville, so, yeah. you know, it's a similar thing. There, there has been, I mean, and, and it's not like deep pressure where people like keep pushing on me. As soon as I tell them no, they like leave me yeah. alone. But yeah. right. there are people who be like, you know, it'd be so much easier if yeah. you were here. These are this is where the meetings are happening. This, it'd be so much easier to find talent, to find whatever. But I've just been so committed to staying here. Um, I think that like, because you know, if I wanted to create a place where people didn't feel like they had to, like, for people like me who grew up here, the only option was to go to New York, L.A., these bigger cities to, like, right. do something in media or to do something, like, fun like this. And I wanted to create this hub where people didn't have to go to those places that are sometimes just not affordable. Yes. Right. And also staying here allowed me, you know, the financial resources to right. continue to, instead of spending all the money on office space, I'm reinvesting into the company. Yeah. And there's so much, like, not to get, like, wildly political, there's so much going on in specifically even my state right now, that, like, if I can also provide a place where people can come and just be, like, 100% themselves, 100% authentic and feel safe and valued, I think there's so much value in giving that to people. I think that that's really, it's an amazing that's answer. Great. I mean, it really is. And I think it's inspiring to people that are not living in major, you know, coastal cities. Um, let's talk about your book. So first of all, it's I think most people would expect you to write a nonfiction kind of like investigative crime story. But you actually chose to write a fictional crime story. So it's called All Good People Here. Um, what's it about? And what was the inspiration? Well, just like a funny story before that, um, they actually did want me to write nonfiction. And, like, they, they um, agents, like, people from publishers, they were like, nope, like, that's what people want from you. They don't want fiction from you. And I was like, well, this is what I want to write. So if we're right. going to do anything, like, let's yeah. try this. And so it's just funny because nobody, eventually they got on board and believed in it. But um, they definitely wanted something different. So I, again, when I look back at, like, where my true crime or crime junkie journey started, it was with fiction. It was with my mom reading me Agatha Christie and Nancy Drew. And, you know, I always say crime junkies aren't just listening to podcasts. They aren't just watching documentaries. Like, I think of myself as the OG crime junkie, and I'm reading every mis fiction mystery novel that mm -hmm. comes out. I love a good mystery. So I wanted to create that for our fans as well. And I don't know, I had this, like, story living in me for a long time kind of the premise of like, you know, what would happen if everyone's so busy covering for each other that you like kind of miss the truth. And 
it took a lot of, of writing and rewriting and, and brainstorming. But finally, I got to the point where, because um, we thought, well, maybe it'd be a podcast. But I'm like, I don't want to do a fiction podcast like that. And a book just felt like the best way for this story to come to life. Was it fun to write or was it like, wow, what did I sign up for? Um, it was a little, wow, what did I sign up for? Because when I signed up for it was in 2019, at the very end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, you know it well. <laughs> you know it well. And then the pandemic happened. And so, like, everything got put on pause for, like, a year because, you know, we were all waiting for, like, that next two weeks to be over. Right. right that two weeks. Yeah. Just a 14-day quarantine. Just a 14-day. I know. And so then by the time we, we, we realized, okay, this is just life now, we picked it back up, uh, the business was, like, in a completely different place, like taking off. I was pregnant. And so it was wildly overwhelming to do. I had never written a book before. And the process is so different. Like, you know, I'm used to putting out these podcasts where the turnaround time, I mean, you've got you've got weeks, not months and months. So I also have like no patience. So it was very hard for me. And even the editing process was really hard. Like at some point I wanted to flip a table and be like, why do you even want me to write a book? You don't like anything I do. (laughs) (laughs) But you still decided to do it again. You have another book. I'm working on. Yes. So we just did. um, So I did the first book with a co-writer. Okay. And her and I just uh, working with the same co-writer again. We just did like a writing retreat uh, for three days in Salt Lake City because I had like a work thing out there. And we came up with like a whole new book. So I can talk whatever I want to about how painful the process was. But I obviously did it again. But you did it again. It's like childbirth, right? It's like childbirth. You forget. You're like, oh, my gosh, wasn't that the best? And then you get yourself back into it. What I need to do this time is what I did for childbirth. My last month of pregnancy, I made myself a video, like, reminding myself of, like, how horrible it is. I need to do that in my, like, lowest points. Because you do, like, once the book is out there and you're signing copies and, like, everyone's, like, like, great idea. Yeah, Yeah, you're like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. (laughs) Right. What was I even, what was I so upset about? What was so hard? It It all came together. (laughs) Yeah. And then you get back into something and you're like, oh, right. So aside from a new book, what what else do you have in the works? What's coming up for you? Uh, so, I mean, a lot. So I, I actually want to do even more in publishing um, with some, like, younger age uh, books. So I have kind of been working on that. We're now branching out into, like, TV and film. So some of the Exciting. IP from some of our series is getting optioned. And we're going to hopefully see some of that come to fruition in, you know— <laughs> One, two, now there's a writer's strike. Maybe yeah. never. Right, right, right. Like 2025, probably. <laughs> right. Yeah, but 2025. Yeah. Again, yeah. you want to talk about like different verticals. Like the yeah. TV process is a whole different world. I do yes. not understand. Yeah. A whole other world. Um, okay, so we like to kind of wrap up every conversation with something that we call five minutes for hugs, which, um, you know, it's like every good conversation. You need to allot at least five minutes to hug it out. Just some questions for us all to get to know you a little bit better. Um, all right, what do you think, being from Indianapolis, what is the most Midwest thing about you? Oh, probably my love of ranch. <laughs> oh. Dressing. Dressing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Ranch not, dressing. Not, not a house style. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, 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 like, no. I, do, I do love a nice ranch style home, but no, like, like we just like always have ranch around. Ranch goes on a lot of things. Like really? my favorite snack is I just mix ranch and mustard with Ruffles potato chips. Like it's so Midwest wow. trashy, but delicious. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is really interesting. Okay. I did not, I didn't know ranch was, was associated it? with the Midwest. Yeah, nor oh, did I. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's like, it, it's the condiment of the Midwest, for sure. Okay, okay. Pe- people are going to come for me. I, well, no, I didn't be- know this either. When I moved to Arizona, I went to ASU for school. 
And I remember going to like my first like very authentic Mexican restaurant because we do not have very authentic Mexican restaurants where I grew up. And I remember them bringing my chips and salsa and me asking if they could bring out a side of ranch and then oh. looking at me like <laughs> get the hell out of our restaurant. Because at the one that I went to where I grew up, they bring you ranch with your chips. Oh, my gosh. Wow. wow. It really is a thing. OK. That, OK. Oh, yeah. I, Good I can't believe we didn't know. This is what we're taking away from today. OK. All right. <laughs> All right. This, is, this is great. Yeah. OK. Favorite fictional detective. Oh, um, Harry Bosch, Michael Conley. He's got a whole like series with Harry Bosch. I love I the Harry Bosch love series. a Michael Connolly book. I feel yes. like it's just like wh- there are certain authors who just again, it's it's like a backlog. You know, they are uh-huh. they're so prolific. They have so many books that it's like once you get hooked into one, it's just so exciting because you can just read and read and over read. And over. Yeah, I'm like, love thank it. you, sir, for your service. I just want you to keep <laughs> pumping out books all the time. All right, your top travel hack whenever you're on the road. Um, is it ranch? <laughs> well, it always. I was like, I feel like it has to do with food. Um, so I am known for having bed chips because bed I, chips. Yeah, that's what Britt, my best friend, calls on my bed chips because I will like go and go and go. I forget to eat, and then I'll get to the point where I'm like so tired. I don't even want to go to dinner. I don't want to wait for something to be ordered in, and so I always have this like bag of chips that. I have literally laying with me in bed. I will shove chips in my mouth before I fall asleep. They are I my love bed that. chips. You, I, I love your bed I chips. I love bed chips too. I don't have bed chips, but I have versions of that. Many. I kind of have bed chips. I, I have a terrible habit of Flaming Hot Cheetos. I love them so <gasps> deeply. With the ones with limon? Oh, I, like I love I love. All oh, of I thought them. you were going to say oh. you dip them in ranch. Oh, no, I don't know. no, no, no. I, that'd probably be good though. <laughs> the coolness of the ranch actually might count It would be really good. <laughs> Um, okay, what is your... Oh, no, Joanna, oh, that's yours. This is me. Most used emoji. Oh, lately I feel like it's been the one where it's like smiling, but like its eyes are like a little bit like soft oh. because it's like all about my daughter. Like I get pictures of oh, her and oh. I'm just like, oh, like, oh. It's, so it's the emo, emo emoji. Like the weld up. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. The you weld know, up. Like, I know. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what is the last podcast or TV show you binged? Um, the last podcast that I binged was one called Admissible. Absolutely incredible reporting out of a news station in Virginia. There was this woman who was like touted as being this like angel of forensics because after she passed away, they found her notebook where she like saved clippings from like some of her testing and it actually like helped get these wrongfully convicted people out of jail. Wow. Well, Small spoiler alert, but not big because you find it out at the beginning. She actually might be the reason that these people are in jail to begin with because Ooh. there's actually potentially a history of her, like, falsifying lab results Whoa. to convict innocent people. It's bananas. Whoa. Everyone needs to listen wow. to it. It's so good. Okay. That is Wow. Clea, you're busy tonight. No, I am busy. And we well, were supposed to have dinner, but, like, now you're going to dump me for this podcast. <laughs> potentially. Yeah. It's okay. I can do both. Okay. I can have one AirPod in while <laughs> cool. we're talking. That sounds really Yeah, that sound, nice. sounds like a really engaging dinner. Mm-hmm. Really interactive one. Super fun. Yeah, super fun. Uh, well, Ashley, this has been so Thank fun. You so much, Ashley. Learned, I learned so much. And I think that our main takeaway, of course, is ranch dressing. We're going we're gonna to have to come visit um, Indianapolis and... Please. And try this. I need to experience what it's like to get chips and ranch served to me. In the bed. In, in the bed. In, in bed. The bed. Bed chips. In bed. Yeah, in oh, bed. Amazing. I love it. Thank All right, well, you thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much, Ashley. And good luck on everything. Thank you. Bye. Okay, now we're going to take a couple of DMs. This one is from Allie. 
How do you feel about the last season of Ted Lasso? I started watching this because of your podcast, and now I'm totally hooked. I'm so sad it's ending. I can tell you right now with 100% certainty, Joanna has not seen it. Is that I correct? I have not seen it. Yeah, I figured 100%. Did you finish the second season? No. No. Did you start the second season? No. No. Okay, cool. This is going to be a very fun <laughs> conversation, which I talked to myself. So No, but let me explain why. Okay. Sometimes I don't want something to end. And so I don't want to start it. I know this is really like... No, I think you're right, actually. And I feel that way too, which is why I haven't finished the third season yet. The best thing you can do when it ends is to start it over. That's what I find. It's good for a rewatch. That's true. Like there are some shows like Friday Night Lights is one of my favorite shows of all time. And which, by the way, if anyone hasn't watched Friday Night Lights, I need you to trust me here because I have like spent very minimal time in Texas. I didn't really like high school, don't know anything about football. And yet it's my favorite show. And I think it's six seasons. I've now watched it three full times over because by the time you get to the end, the beginning feels like so long ago. That you can start it over. That you can start it over. And anyway, so I understand, Ali, about getting hooked on the show. It is the best show. The third season so far, we're only a few episodes in, is I think a little bit of a slower start for me, maybe because the end of the second season had some issues and which we all know about aside from Joanna. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I do, I do know about, it. Oh, because you read about it. Yeah. Okay. Just so watch no, it. Just I freaking know, watch I it. I know. Okay. Um, anyway, I don't know what to do other than to restart it, Allie. And Joanna <laughs> is getting the same advice. Okay. This is from Kylie. I love the pod. Thank you, Kylie. Um, I have a question. My husband and I are considering moving to the Nashville area from the Midwest. Could you walk us through any pros and cons you've experienced moving there? I know basically nothing about the area. Okay. Okay. Well, let me, let's start with Joanna. All right. The cons are, well, you're in the, you know, weather I was going to say is, is somewhat of a con here, but you're in the Midwest. So you really have serious winters. So I would say that's probably a pro is the, is the winters here are probably a pro for you. On the flip side, I would say another con is the summers here. Again, the Midwest, I guess it depends where. weather. Weather here sucks. But I don't know. We don't know where in the Midwest she's coming that, from. Well, that's why I need more details. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Wisconsin in the summer is no picnic. So most it places it in the summer aren't. All right. So I would say that's a negative. I, here's another thing. We need to know specifics. Like, are you in a walking city? Are you living in Chicago? Are you li- living in Madison? Like, where where do you live? So that are you in Ann Arbor? Like, there's I have a lot of questions because Nashville's not a walking city. I would say that's a con for Nashville. But if you're in a suburb, you know, Midwest is a big, is a big area that we're covering. I know. We're, I we're covering specific, a lot of the country. These are specific questions that I have. On the pro side, the people are wonderful. I love the people here. The food scene is great and getting better all the time. Um, I would say Clea can speak more to activities at night. I don't go out. But um, I, I think that I think the nightlife is pretty happening. Is that oh, what people say? Mm, people definitely no. don't say that. But no. I would say um, the thing to expect from Nashville that's really unique is the music scene. I think music in Nashville is, it's real. It's not like just like a fake construct called Music City. Like it's actual, like all over the place, all around. Most country artists live in Nashville. This is the lifeblood here. Um, it's our, you know, city's legacy. So like it's, it's, and the food is just as good. The food is yeah. incredible minus sushi. That's the con. There's only yeah. one good sushi place in Nashville, in my opinion. And I mean, the the pros 
far outweigh the cons. In the our pros opinion. are definitely the people, the kindness, the generosity. Um, it's beautiful. It's green. It's lush. Yeah. You're actually in a good location, too, to get to the East Coast or the West Coast. Again, we don't know your lifestyle, but should you need to get to East and West, it's relatively fast. Or mid. Mid. Or mid. It's very, very close. close to the you mid. You know, we're pretty in the middle of the country, so it's actually very easy to get places um, what else would I say is a pro? It's a really good place to raise kids. It really, really is. Any other pros that we can think of? I, I think we hit a lot. Okay. I, I'm very curious though. Please write back and tell us yeah, where, where you live. Yeah, we need specifics here, please. Um, okay. That is it for this episode. Um, make sure to keep in touch with us at Best Friend Energy on Instagram and TikTok or visit us at bestfriendenergypod.com. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on Best Friend Energy. We're back every Tuesday with a new episode. Best Friend Energy is a Hello Sunshine and Sony Music Entertainment production. Engineering and mixing by Nashville Audio Productions. Our senior producer is Rebecca Kaufman. Our associate producer is Cami York. Our executive producer is Sarita Wesley. Our executive producers at The Home Edit and Hello Sunshine are Lauren Lagarde, Hilary Franchi, and, and us. See you next time. Being a mother has its challenges. You have to constantly grow and adapt as your baby does. And while our kids aren't diaper age anymore, we remember a few tricky years with diaper obstacles like blowouts. Oh yes, I remember. Not to mention getting diapers on active babies. And you and I both know, once your baby starts moving, the adventure really begins. That's why you need Pampers Cruisers 360. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are just for potty training, but from my experience, it's actually the best diaper to use as soon as your baby's on the go. It doesn't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, it has a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband, which is a great hack to keep your baby from taking their diaper off, which if you've ever experienced can lead to chaos. And as you know from the home edit days, if we care about anything, it's organizing messes and controlling the chaos. And it really stretches with your baby for a comfortable fit so your baby can move freely. It also makes it so easy to change a wiggly baby who's on the move. Pampers Cruisers 360 with the new blowout barrier are available in sizes three to seven and come in adorable new prints. The best part is that they are hypoallergenic and free of elemental chlorine bleaching, parabens, and latex. As mothers, we know how important it is to count on a great diaper. So for trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Redeem Pampers cash, no cash value.